welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Here are your hosts, Mark Ellison, Shannon Donato and Jeremy Monaghan. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, powered by Audio-Technica and proudly presented by What If. What If has you covered for accommodation, flights, car hire and more. So if you're looking for a holiday, travelling for business or you need to get to the next game, visit whatif.com slash Rabbitohs. What If, it's Aussie for travel. My name's Jeremy Monaghan. I'm the media manager here at the Rabbitohs and I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Mark Ellison and Shannon Donato. Hello, how are you this morning? Very well, Jeremy. Yes, a victory over the Roosters last week. Uh, it's hard not to feel good. Um, but also the performance was magnificent from the boys, and, you know, de- particularly defensively. So made for a very good weekend and uh, a nice week this week. It did. It did indeed. How about you, Shannon? How are you this week? I'm very well, thanks, Jez. I'm like uh, Ello on cloud nine after beating the Roosters and winning uh, a $100 bottle of wine off my counterpart, Jared Johnson, at the Roosters makes me feel even better. I was about to say, I saw that on uh, <laughs> I saw that on Facebook last night. I thought that would have tasted very nice. It very did. Will he pay up? Yes, he did. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's already, <laughs> already been paid, Ella. In, 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 in a brown paper bag. For... <laughs> Well, do you give it to you at half-time? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You paid in cash in a brown paper bag. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right, as we normally do, what is something you have learned this week? We'll start with you this week, Shannon. Well, I've learned, given all the heckling that I caught from you two guys and <laughs> the damage you're doing to my self-esteem, so I thought... <laughs> I'm obviously carrying a few pounds. I'm uh, festively plump, so I thought... <laughs> I'll go and have a checkup at the doctor's, and I'll, I'll see. So it was, uh, it was a bit distressing, though. I, I walked in there, and uh, first thing he said, mate, you are carrying a few pounds. As he said, what's the lightest you've ever been? I said, nine pounds, eight ounces. <laughs> 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 but, uh, <laughs> actually. And uh, I said, he said, how old are you? I said, 46. He said, well, you need to have a prostate check as well. He got the rubber gloves on and I checked his hands. He had small hands, so I was, wasn't quite as nervous as I might have been. And uh, Anyway, assumed the position, waited a second and was a bit uncomfortable, but he did what he had to do and did, did the check and he went out. And I was just waiting for him to come back in with the results and I was a bit nervous and I was, you know, because prostate cancer is quite common. It's not, not a laughing matter. And Anyway, the nurse came back in and she said that thing you never want to hear. She said... It was that bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, good. That's good. Uh, I'm going to go on with that, but I think, I'm not sure the ratings will handle it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, I ripped those two jokes off Darren Carr, a very funny comedian. So uh, I heard that at one of his luncheons, so I'll, I'll give him full credit for that. Uh, so that's what I've learned. I need to drop a few pounds, Jez. Oh, very I'll good. start I'm on gl- that next week. I'm glad it's finally sunk in. <laughs> <laughs> you think the first six episodes he hasn't got a hint? <laughs> I can talk though, Jess. Uh, I know. I'm actually know. doing something about it this week. Oh, yeah. 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 I only had one bacon and egg roll instead of two this morning, so there you go. I'm going to have two, but Shannon beat me to it. He's got unfettered access to an NRL standard quality gym, but that one less bacon and egg roll will do the job. <laughs> That's what you eat, Jess. So what have you learnt this week, Ella? 
What I've learnt is that the difference in premiers between the states, between New South Wales and Queensland, I mean, I think Gladys has done a fantastic job here in New South Wales. She hasn't panicked on certain things. And, like, at the moment, like, Queensland, there's a few cases up there and they've closed this, they've done this. And, yeah, it affects the whole of of Australia, like, borders being closed. And, you know, it may affect us this week. Like, if, if I think I'm hearing that if... Um, you know, the, the lockdown in Queensland goes longer than the three days proposed that, that we may have to go into a bubble this week after we play the Bulldogs because the Bulldogs played Brisbane last week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's uh, she hasn't done too good up there in Queensland, I think, you know, the difference yeah. between ours. And, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence since she's come into power in, in Queensland that they've started losing the state of origin as well, mate. She's just got nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It might have something to do with Greg Inglis retiring as well, too. <laughs> well, uh, the one thing I've learnt this week, that it still feels bloody great to beat the Roosters, and that's all I need to say, I think. After the week we've all had, everyone's had a smile on their face around the office and over at training. It's been a, a great week as we lead up to what is a dangerous game against the uh, against the Bulldogs. They pulled our pants down last year when everyone thought it was a, an easy win but uh, I know the boys are going to be switched on this week which is uh, very good to see as we look for our third win of the season so it should be uh, should be good fun on Good Friday at it at it Stadium Australia yeah you're right Jez it's it's a crucial game for us I mean we can uh, a win can establish us right up there probably close to the top four mm. uh, if we can win this week and be a danger team they got their backs a danger game sorry they got their backs against the wall they made a few changes mm. got a few suspensions but Still, you know what the Bulldogs are like. On any given day, when they get their heads right, they'll, they'll fight to the death. And I'm expecting that on Friday. You mentioned earlier on, Ello, just to go a bit off the top, you talked about the bubble and being prepared for that, that sort of stuff. But what sort of prep- preparation does have to go into being ready to just flick the switch? Because, as you say, this week we play the Bulldogs that are under special restrictions because they played the Broncos. We play the Broncos next week. We've got a trip to the Gold Coast, supposedly per the draw in the next few weeks as well. So what what happens behind the scenes to, to get ready to flick that switch and be ready to go? What happens, there's different levels of, of protocols that have been put out by the NRL. And they're just reacting to what governments and, and the health authorities are saying. So the NRL can't do anything about it. They've just got to be guided, which mm. is fair enough. And we've got to listen uh, to what they're telling us as well. So, you know, it, it'll go back to if we go into a bubble, be like we were last year, we come in the train, we all have to check in, get our temperatures taken. There's an app that we fill in to make sure we've got no symptoms and we haven't visited people who may be in danger of having COVID. Um, you know, there's 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 a raft of other things, but, uh, you know, no one wants to go into it, but because we've done it before, we can. I think we can cope with it. Mm. Um, and, and the biggest thing is to keep the games on, as we learnt last year, because, I mean, it's a financial disaster to the NRL and the players if we can't get the games on. So mm. the boys will be happy to do it again. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing, if we had to go play the Titans, they might have to come down here and or whatever happens. They, the NRL would go back to charter flights and we wouldn't stay in hotels overnight. Yep. Just similar to what we did last year. Yep. Um, I think the fortunate part about it is that we, you know, there's more knowledge of, of what's going on now, whereas... Last year, it's you know, it's just over a year ago since you know it was round two last year that we we went into the bubble, mm. and uh, yeah, the games all stopped there for mm. about six six to eight weeks. So mm. we've learned a lot from that. So 
putting it back into place, uh, you know, it'll be a pain in the backside, but it won't be difficult. Mm. It's more work for, for people, but um, if it keeps the game, not it keeps the games. On. We, we just, at least we're at the stage now where no vaccines are coming. Um, whereas this time last year, we didn't know where. The, there was no end in sight. Mm. It was just, you know, keep getting on with things. Um, but now, at least there's a vaccine on the way, and they're being uh, made in Australia now too. Mm. Uh, our European friends kept all the ones we purchased, apparently. So, But, you know, We'll get, we, we are very fortunate here in Australia though, compared mm. to the rest of the world. Mm. You know, the climate we live in, we're not congested and everything like that. So the, the chance of it spreading like it has in in Europe and the States, et cetera, there's not as big a chance. And, and to be fair, I, I just gave gave uh, yeah, the Premier a bit of a, a baking up in mm. Queensland, but they've done a pretty good job across Australia yeah. mate, with stopping it. I mean, we're the best, you know, one of the best in the world, there's no doubt. So I take that back a little bit. About her, but not about the origin. Smoking <laughs> 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 like a true New, Th- New South Welshman. Yes. Very good. Right, we'll get into our uh, our first topic of the podcast, and it is the top four fastest players that you have played with or against. We'll go with you, Elo, for this one. Uh, probably the fastest player, you know, when I, I left the club and played with St George back in 1991, I played with... Uh, Martin Chariots of Fire. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was definitely the quickest thing I've ever seen. And and to be fair, like a lot of athletes, like sprinters and that, they don't get to their top speed very often. Like yep. even in training, they never push themselves, you know, because they're so finely tuned. He, I never saw him at top speed much at training. Like, But his top speed, he, he was, yeah, you know, at 80%, he was – 10 metres ahead of anyone mm. else over 100 metres. He was just lightning. Mm. And even, I, I just remember one thing about him. In, he, in his, his thighs and his legs, he used to have these sort of veins that protruded out of his skin. Just mm. And, and you know, and I, I look at, you know, this sounds ridiculous, but you look at some of the great race horses and that when they finish, that that's the sort of thing that they have after a big performance. The, the, you know, the blood's pulsing. Through, and he just sort of, it's one thing I just remember, I don't know why I remember it, but I was sort of looking at him thinking, how can he be that fast? And you mm. just look at the build on him. Um, yeah, he, he was he was remarkable. To be fair, he, he was a little, you know, he's very big like you say, Bolt. Yeah. You know, so, he, you know, I'm not comparing him to him, but... Um, yeah, he was that type of athlete that, that played. So he'd be the fastest I'd play with. Um, and, and over 10, 15 metres, there was no one quicker than Phil Blake. Mm. You know, he was he was magnificent. And as, as I've said, he was you know, one of the, the best players I've ever played with. And that was one of the, the gifts that he had. And, and not not a lot of players who got that. And, and it makes a difference to their ability on the field. So um, another player that was... Uh, was very quick was Bruce Longbottom too. He, uh, I played with Bruce uh, in the SG ball, came through there and through the, the junior rep system and then into first grade. And, and once he got into the clear, uh, he, he was very hard to run down. It'd be like Nathan Merritt and that. Nathan, when he got in the clear, you knew his arm. Alex mm. Johnson's the same, yep. you know, these days. And that was the same with Bruce. Bruce back then um, is very quick. And um, Lindsay Johnson. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, you said the fastest, I'm looking forward to this. fastest <laughs> players you've played with or played against. I didn't say on the field. Lindsay was the no. fastest to get to the bar after a game that I've ever seen. So, uh, uh, special cheer out of Lindsay. He was a fantastic bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and who's the other? Chicka Ferguson from the Raiders. Mm. He was, uh, again, lightning. Once once he made, he was in the clear, he was hard to run down. Yeah. So. Agile, yeah. too. Could just... Agile. Well, he's a tough player to tackle, too. Yeah. People say who was the hardest player to tackle. And, yeah, often you think they're about the big guys. But the big guys in that, if you get yourself in front of them, you know, they might hurt you a bit, but you can't stop them. But Chica, he'd just dart every, here, there and everywhere, and you, you just couldn't get your hands on him. Yeah. Tap dance on a five-second yeah, coin, yeah. you know, and just exactly. tap dance in the shower without getting wet. Mm. That's right. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that try he scored in the 89 grand final was exactly that. It was yeah. about 12 left-foot steps to get his yeah. way, way through and score under the post. Yeah. And that was with a couple of minutes to go in the game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Big game. was a good yeah. player. So they're, they're, more, they're the quickest. And, I, and, and a fire was um, – he just – he would glide across the turf. Mm. He was just a, a magnificent athlete. Mm. Um, and, you know, we just – and then, yeah, the closer they got to him, the further he went away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just what, a, yeah. what was he like as a bloke, Yellow? Because he was probably one of the first real English superstars that that came across. He had the the aura of him of like an Andrew Whittinghouse and that real superstar headline type guy. And I've always wondered what they were like away from what you read in the papers or saw on the TV. Yeah, it, it was. Um, he was a pretty cool dude. Mm. You know, he um, I don't know, he played with Wigan over in over in England. And obviously, I was only there for twelve months with mm. him. And and to be fair, I came in. Um, you know, I, I'd have probably only had about twelve games there when when he was there. Mm. Um, he was cool. He he took his time, you know, getting to know everyone. But mm. um, he had quite a good wit about him. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it was a different situation back back in those days when you're playing. You had. Yeah, you had players all coming together after work of a day. He wasn't working, obviously, at the time. Mm. Just came out here, was a professional. You know, you you sort of not have your clicks, but you you'd have different groups that mm. you'd. Yeah, you might pick someone up on the way to training when you finish work, and th- that happened. You know, it probably happens these days, but not as much because mm. these days the boys it's still a sport, but they're travelling to work. Mm. You know, and that's how they perceive it because it's their only their only sort of income. So. Mm. It was a bit different back then where, where these days the work environment, everyone's involved, there's meetings all the time. We didn't have the meetings that they, you know, you know mm. we just get out in the field, do a bit of training and, you know, it was a different environment. So, yeah, sort of blending in together. Uh, we, in at, at the Rabbitohs, is probably as good as I'd seen it. But, mm. um, yeah, it was different to what it is now. So mm. to, for him to... Put his mark on a group off the field. It was a bit harder for him coming in and not knowing anyone. But, mm. um, you know, like everything, if they can play on the field, everyone forgets that and they're just happy to have him there when, <laughs> yeah, when they're scoring three it. tries a match, you know. Yeah. That, that reminds me, actually, you said, you know, about picking mates up on the way to training and stuff. When Julian O'Neill got here at the Rabbitohs, um, I was designated his driver. He'd lost his licence over in Western Australia for drink driving. Jules was a bit loose and they said, Shannon, you know, you're a young bloke. I was super keen, and so you know you can look after Jules. And I used to, he always used to say, just pick me up on the corner of, um, you know, Avoca Street and um, Allison Road, and I'd always pick him up. It took me about 
three weeks to realise. He'd go in for about three schooners at the coach and horses <laughs> before training, and then I'd pick him up on the corner. But I tell you what, it didn't affect his performance. He, oh, was, yeah. he was always the best player. The player. other one I used to pick up all the time, and this is my time at Sharks. I used to go via Brighton and pick up Jason Stevens, and he used to say to me, "You first training session, he beelines me. Oh, you're you know you're living in Coogee. Can you pick me up on the way through? You drive one week, I'll drive the other. We we'll keep each other company, and we'll save money on petrol." Well, Jason was the only one who saved money on petrol. <laughs> <laughs> I drove every day for, for about four years. You're still the tightest man I know, Jason Stevens. <laughs> you, you're talking about picking. I remember a story. It wasn't going to official training. It was in in the off season, and I, uh, Raylan and I moved in uh, to East Lakes. That was where we our first unit we bought together, and um, Daryl Neville lived just around the corner. And I, I, I distinctively remember it was a Thursday afternoon, and I said. Dirty ramp, what are you doing? And it been been really raining heavily. And uh, and I said, let's jog up to the juniors and we'll do some weights up there and jog back, you know. That normally meant we'd have a couple of beers after <laughs> training too, which so so that was the carrot for us both anyway. So we and those days there's no mobile phones or anything like that. So he picks me up from my place. Here we go, we're going over the bridge at East Lakes there. They're playing the Australian Open golf on the Australian course here. Yep. Norman's there all the top line players from all over the world, and it had been on a rain break, right? So all the gates are open. It's about four in the afternoon. Dirty and I are toddling. We just got into a bit of a jog over, coming over. Only a bit of a jog. We weren't going too quick. <laughs> got up to the top of the bridge, and the sun's out, and we look down, and they're playing golf. And the gate's open there because the, the gate, play been stopped, so they're not charging to get in. I've got a singlet on, a pair of shorts and running shoes. Dirty's the same. And I said, look. Hey, we can always train tomorrow. Why don't we go in and have have uh, have a look at the golf? Right? So anyway, so we, we we walk in and have a look at the golf, and Dirty's got um, you know, we're walking around. I said, well, I feel like having a beer. We got no money. Dirty said, "Oh no, Dirty had this little compartment in the back of his, on his key ring. He always carried twenty bucks. Right back then, it was five dollars a can. So we think we've got got a chance to have two cans each with us. So anyway, so we go for that, and anyway, we walk down to the. The, the 18th hole, and we've had our two beers and just got the taste for it. You know, we, we didn't do any running, but it was a fantastic day. So anyway. <laughs> Being the fine athletes that you yeah, were. Yeah, we were. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And everyone else was dressed properly, and we look like scumbags, you know, running around. <laughs> so it just so happens we're getting the taste, and we say, oh, we've got no money, blah, blah, blah. It's about, you know, 6 o'clock by this stage. Anyway, I look up into the sponsor's tent, and there's this guy in there that I knew that, that, that was part of the tent. And he waved at me and he said, come over. And we said, oh, I said, I can't come in like this. Yeah, of course you can, mate. It's all – because everyone had dispersed. So there, so we go into the sponsor's tent there and we just start having a few beers together. <laughs> with them, mate. They're all dressed to the nines with nice slacks and shirts. So anyway, anyway, 9.30 comes. <laughs> <laughs> you get carried oh, out. You know, so where are these? And then, then it's – Pitch black, and we got to walk across the golf course to get back home <laughs> in the dark. You know, no. that's when we ran. We got a bit scared. <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's why I think we went so well in 1989 when we were doing our training in the preseason. We we're going for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, uh, very good. Co- he was a carry to dirty. He was a carry. Still is. Proud life member of the. South Sydney Rabbitohs. That was one of the best life membership presentations I've seen at the AGMs. He was, yeah. you just tell it meant so much to him when he was yeah. awarded that. It was, yeah. it was very good. And to he's see. so popular too because he's such a good guy. Dude. Yeah, he's a great company. He's one. He's one of the 
One of the guys that I played with that put a lot back into the game too since he's finished. He's done a lot of coaching. He did some coaching with us. Then he went to Newtown and he's, it's just been a passion for him. And he's, you know, he hasn't done it for rewards. He's done it because he wanted to put back into the game. And probably have a few beers after training. I've got to say, Dirty was one of the one of the many old boys who went all the way up to Port Macquarie in the off season to raise some money for young Jake Spurdle, a young teenage mm. kid up there who's having some health challenges, and gave up his whole weekend to you know do work in the fundraisers there. I mean, they were really tough fundraisers. They were golf days and um, <laughs> corporate luncheons and those kind of things. But he gave up his whole weekend, travelled up to Port Macquarie, and. I enjoyed his company all weekend. He's a fantastic fella, Dirty. He is. Very good. Righto, Shannon, fastest players you've played with or against? Well, uh, three of the four are Rabbitohs, and number one is the great Lightning Reese Wesser, a Rockhampton boy. I've just, you know, as Ello said about Blake, a half gap would open, he'd be straight through it, and it was game over. Mm. Nobody ever – I never saw him got chased, chased down once. He's – He's so quick. He's the quickest I've ever played with or or against. And I always think about that. I think it's Billy Birmingham saying about he's that quick. He could turn the light off and be in bed before it gets dark. That's how, <laughs> yeah. that's how quick Reese is. He was just uh, Reese Lightning. So um, he's definitely the quickest player I've played with or against. Uh, the next one, he only played a few first grade games for South, but he was a he was a state sprinter in the beach sprints, a bit like Damien Cook, but he was a winger. Is Cookie uh, good at beach sprinting? <laughs> That's all anybody wants to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> Everybody except Cookie wants to talk about that. So. That's because he's told so many people. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's actually putting a book out, My Life as a Beach Sprinter. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this guy was a beach sprinter. He was a winger for Seas. He was... He he was a bit injury prone. In fact, he'd cough and he'd break a rib. But he was, um, <laughs> but he was, he was quick and very good player. One of the best schoolboy players running around. Definitely the quickest. And that's John Minto. John Minto played for us. Um, he played for the Roosters too. Won't mention that and and the Dogs. But Johnny Minto was one of the quickest players I I ever saw. Central Coast guy and fantastic fella. Um, number three is Andrew Eddinghausen. Et he was quick. You know. Again, you know, get him on the outside of a guy and it was game over. He was really, really quick and, and a competitor as well. And I think we've mentioned it before, he was a good defender as well. Everyone just saw him as this excitement machine in attack, but he was a robust defender, but, but certainly very quick. And the fourth, He was another one that used to just glide across the turf. Mm, yeah. He had a, a magnificent running action too. He did. He did. Very quick ET and I played with him at the Sharks. And then a guy I never played with, but... Uh, I played against a lot at schoolboys and first grade when he was at the Bears. And I saw him get stepped up by Brett Mullins in a semi-final. Mm. And Brett Mullins was running full pace in opposite direction. He got stepped up, had to stop, turn, prop, and then take off again and catch. And he only had about 50 metres to do it, and he did it. He caught um, Brett Mullins, and that's Matt Sears. Matt Sears, is a, he was a prodigious talent, one of the most naturally gifted footballers I've seen. And... There's not many of us around, really, but um, she's <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Susie, can um, we can we take two of that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, Susie was very underrated. He played a bit of Origin, but you know, I, I don't know whether he reached his full potential. I think he was of international standard and um, great player. And his and his daughter Brianna works with our development officers as well, and she's a she's. Great footballer, but also um, great at netball as well. So, Matty Sears' legacy still lives on here at the Rabbitohs. And so, my four quickest were Reese Wesser, 
uh, John Minto, Andrew Eddinghausen and Matt Sears. Going back to Reese, I was watching the fan last night, uh, Vossi's show, and uh, they were talking about greatest finishes in games. And it, it took us back, I think it was 2009 or 2000. No, 2010 or 2011, Dylan Farrell made his debut for Sears. Mm. And um, – all depleted that night and played the played the Tigers A and Z, and it was was golden point. And there was a minute to go. Someone went for a field goal. Probably Sandow went for a field goal, got charged down. Came back to Reese. He came across field and just as you say, just saw half a gap. Boom, went straight through, passed it on to Corrigan, threw it back inside to Dylan, and Dylan. Scored a hat trick on Deboo and won the game for us. Yeah, yeah in Golden Point. Yeah. Won it in Golden yeah. Point. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I didn't play, but just three guys that come to mind for me, and someone you played with, Shannon, we spoke about the other day, is Brett Howland, the whippet. He was quick. I, I used to work with Brett in a sports store down at um, Westfield at Miranda, and we had some great laughs while we were working in there. He was a, he was a great fella, but geez, he was quick. And I don't think he played a hell of a lot of first grade either in the end, but um, he was just so fast that he always added value to a team because he was always an option when there was a bit of space. He Nath- was. I could yeah. just say, I remember one game when I was at the Sharks and uh, it was a semi-final and Whippet, uh, uh, he picked up a loose ball and Wendell Saylor was chasing and Whippet pulled away from And Wendell was considered one of the fastest guys in the world. I said, I... I said to whip it after the game, I didn't know you were that quick. He goes, I'm not normally, but when Wendell's chasing me, I certainly am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, my next one was Nathan Blacklock. It just comes to memory that I think it was the grand final where they kicked into the backfield and there was a bit of space there and he was very deep and he just charged onto the ball and ran the length. It's, there was no one stopping him that day. He, he was quick. and oh, It's still beggar's belief how they lost that game yeah. that day. Yeah. yeah, It was unbelievable. Yeah. It? Well, came down to the big call from Billy Harrigan, didn't it? At, yeah. Out there at Stadium Australia. It was, with the right, the, it was the right call, too. It was the right call. I, I, you know, I don't think many refs today would make that call. Yeah. You know, they, they'd go upstairs, they'd watch it 28 times. I'd say times. it'd be put on report. Yeah, yeah. And I'll check it next week. That's exactly right. <laughs> Making the tough calls. Billy, Hollywood Billy, he would make those tough calls. That was one of the many. If, if he was refereeing against us, he would have given three kicks in front. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. And probably sent Mario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if Muzz was on the bench yeah. at the time. He'd have kicked one, he'd have kicked one for him, too. <laughs> a funny, funny point. He was the South fan as a kid. Was and, he? Yeah. That's what Is he that tells right? everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something must have happened somewhere along the line. I, yeah. I used to play in an Oztag comp run run by Bill with a friend of ours, a guy called Paul McGurr, who we all know is a bit mad at the best of times. But we used to play in this Oztag competition that Bill ran and um, over in the, the North Sydney area. And it was quite a civil competition. We played in a few where, where it got a little bit feral sometimes, but... We were renowned as a bit of a tough team. The the tag we didn't name it the tag first. We aimed at the body first, then took the tag off. Yeah. And um, Bill virtually warned us off from playing there anymore. He said, "These guys you're playing against are far too nice and pay far too much money in registration fees to have you guys scaring them off." <laughs> so we only had a couple of years in Bill's comp. <laughs> I think Bill was more worried about the registration fees than yeah, there. Right. <laughs> Once again, I, I do I'm bagging him a bit, but of his ear, he was the best referee. Yeah, and and the reason he was, he'd make a call and he'd stick with it. Yeah, you know. Um, 
yeah, I remember a couple of weeks ago we had the best sledges you've ever mm. heard. Some of the ones Tugger gave, Bill Harrigan, yeah. were well, the best you've ever heard. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. That's why he probably didn't give as much of Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, playing a game one day and I was in reserve grade and the referee was just having a shocker. And I turned to him at one stage and I said, no wonder you're in reserve grade, you know, you're making these calls. And he said, you are too. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. That's <laughs> right. about, talk about reserve grade. Mm. And referees, Henry Perinara has been dropped to reserve grade mm. for the forward pass last week. Yeah. Has Jordan Rapana been dropped to reserve grade for dropping that ball yeah. in the one of the game? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we quick to pick on the referees and not yeah. look at ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. And and my last one was uh, a South Sydney player, Joven Clark. I don't know if you yes. remember, remember Joven. I Joven, yeah. Joven was quite small and when he got caught, he got caught, but you had to catch him first. He was super fast. I remember when he first came across in the early years of reinstatement, I hadn't seen anything like it. And the kids loved him. We used to wear the red and green headgear and we used to sell them in the merchandise shop and the kids absolutely loved him because he was so fast. And it's just something you can't really teach, that that absolutely born into you yeah. athleticism of that pace. He come from a professional athletic background, didn't he? He, he was – I don't know that he was professional. He, he – Done sprinting. I don't know if he was a, a pro. He came to us from Parramatta, from the oh, Eels. Okay. Um, but after he left, he went into the armed forces. He went into the army, and I thought, if there's anyone that can dodge bullets, it's <laughs> that's Joe <Joven> Clark. <laughs> I tell you, he'd, he'd, out, he'd outrun him for sure. And if there's anywhere you want to be quick, it's in the army. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that was a good uh, walk down memory lane there, gents. We will be back in a moment. Now, don't forget to get all of your Rabbitohs merchandise as we rev up into the season now. A great start from the boys, and they're looking great out on the field in their new classic sportswear gear, and all of the, the gear is now in store as we head into winter as well. You can get the hoodies and all that sort of stuff to keep you warm out of the footy. So make sure you head down to the Heffron Park Tennis Centre on Bunnerong Road in Maroubra. They've got everything down there, jerseys, the polo shirts, T-shirts, the hoodies, the hats, flags, anything you need to show your love of the Rabbitohs or also to support the team out there on game day on Good Friday against the the Bulldogs. It's right near where our new high performance centre is going to be built and if you can't make it to Maroubra to get to the shop, you can also shop online at shop.rabbitohs.com.au and and Shannon has had a commercial. There's plenty of new gear coming in every week. Absolutely and we just spoke about Joven and the Armed Forces. Well, we've got a very special Anzac jersey this year that we'll be releasing in the next week and uh, that's like nothing else that we've done before. It's a homage to one of the special divisions of the armed forces. I won't give it away, but it's like nothing we've done before. It's certainly very unique, and we've worked closely with the um, um, Australian Defence Force to to put this jersey together, and I'm hoping that all of our members and fans will love it. Yeah, I've seen a sample of it. It is very different, but it really does stand out, and I think it's something that particularly collectors of of the different jerseys that we we put out they'll be snapping them up so make sure you keep an eye on rabbitos.com.au for that announcement of the anzac round jersey and jump on shop.rabbitos.com.au or head down to the tennis center at heffron park in maroubra to get all of your latest rabbitos gear
Now, our next top four topic for the morning is the top four favourite sports movies of all time. We all love our sport and not just necessarily rugby league. And I know everyone likes to sit down for a couple of hours and chill out and escape with a with a movie. So we thought we'd go through our top sports movies and it might be some different movies that some of our listeners may not have heard and if you've got any suggestions for the best movies make sure you let us know on the form on rabbitos.com.au slash podcast or tweet them into at SSFC Rabbitos because we'd love some some new suggestions for the off season as well but we might start with you Shannon this time on your favourite sports movies. Jez, I'm happy to start, but you're such a gracious host all the time. You throw to Ello and I. Why don't we start with your All right, your I'm happy to start. I've actually done an Ello. <laughs> Here we are, your top 27 sports movies. My top movies. 27 sports movies. Buckle in, sports fans. This is going to be a long episode. Than you, blokes. I've seen a few more of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My movies are in black and white. Too, <laughs> what I, I've actually, I couldn't narrow it down past six, and I've got a, oh. I've got a special mention as well. <laughs> That's and, what uh, my brother said to me the other day. He said, come over and watch the footy. Uh, I, I got up to get something out the fridge and walk past the TV. He said, I missed the whole second. Uh, so I'll, I'll whip through these as quickly as I can. I've actually got six American sports movies and only one Australian. That's my special mention. It's a movie called The First Kangaroos. Now, I don't know if you blokes have have seen it. It came out in 1988, and it's the first movie that I can remember about rugby league. There's There's been a few since. Ando uh, did Footy Legends, and there are a couple of others. The, the one that Matt Nabel was involved with and Matty Johns. But uh, this was the first one that I can remember that was about rugby league. Wayne <laughs> Pearce and Andrew Eddinghausen were in it back in 1988, and I've never been able to find a copy of it because I'd love to have a copy of the DVD on my shelf. But I remember, I think it was shown on Channel 10 because I think they were broadcasting the rugby league at the time. And back then it was all about the first the first kangaroos that represented Australia back in, in I 1908. Think, I, th- I was playing back then. I, I, I didn't what, were the first the- kangaroos? <laughs> <laughs> you are a bit older than us. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good for you, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, well, ET and that, I just remember they, they got their hair shaved. So it was like a, the bowl, you know, the haircut they had back in those in those days. I can't, mm. I'm not a hairdresser, so I can't explain it properly. <laughs> well, they put the bowl on your head and just shave <laughs> yeah, around yeah, the edges. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. But um, no, I, I sort of remember it being made. I haven't seen, I didn't see the final copy of it though. Yeah, I remember it being on Channel 10 and I've never been able to find a copy of it. I asked the Rugby League Museum, I've asked Fox whether they've got a copy. Just can't find it. It is on IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. It's all on there, so it does exist. I didn't dream it up when I was an 11-year-old kid, but um, I do remember saying I'd love to know if anyone's got a a digitised copy of that because I'd love to have it for my collection. Was that just a shot at me, Jess, when you were an 11-year-old kid? I I was playing at that I did. I, I did Listen, mention I've 1988 got, a couple of weeks ago with my tug I've of war prowess. I've told you once before. I've got feelings, you know. <laughs> All right, my number six movie, Any Given Sunday. It's a 1999 American football movie about a professional team in in Miami and all the things that that they go through being in in professional sport. They don't actually talk about being in the NFL or or being uh, the Miami Dolphins, for example. They're a different Miami team. I'd say it's all licensing issues around the, the parts of the movie, but it's just a, a great movie. And Al Pacino is the head coach of the Miami team, and he gives some amazing pre 
game, half-time and full-time speeches. I just... It's not what I imagine Wayne would be putting out because it's all about... It's all passion and the American bravado and all that sort of stuff. But I just... Whenever I watch it, I always think to myself, "Yeah, that'd get me pumped up." <laughs> back in the day, game. back in the day, people used to use that spiritual parts. It was all about the yeah. inches, yeah. You know, uh, it That's still it. is today, isn't it? About yeah, the inches. game of inches. So it's, uh, but yeah, you've taken one of mine, Jess. So have I? Sorry, you can have six. I've only got three. Right so I'm done. Need- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about my belt for a second. All about the inches. <laughs> it's going at the feet at the moment. <laughs> My number five is another American football movie from the same year, 99, called Varsity Blues, and it's about a, a high school football team from from Texas and about what the high school kids, uh, the trouble they get up to. And it's a lot different to what we experience here because they have the high school, college, and then into the professional ranks. And those guys face a lot of scrutiny and a lot of media attention, even back into high school. And it talks about how these kids have to handle it back then and it uh, had a pretty good cast of James Vanderbeek. John Voigt was in that, Paul Walker, who's unfortunately not with us anymore of the Fast and Furious fame, Paul Walker. So it kicked off a few uh, a few careers there as well, but that, that's a great sports movie as well. Um, another American football movie called The Program. I'm not sure if you've seen that one, but that's one of my go-to movies over the off-season at was made in 1993. It's about college football, um, about the struggles and the uh, the demands of these kids getting recruited out of high school, having all the attention on them, picking what college they want to go to, what's going to give them the best chance of getting through into the professional ranks. And it, and it focuses around a, a character called Joe Kane, who's the the quarterback of the team, and he's the favourite for the Heisman Trophy, which is like the Dally M. Um, of the college ranks over there and that kicked off quite a few careers as well. Halle Berry's in that movie, Christy Swanson's I'll in that. i watch that one. <laughs> Omar Epps and, and, and James Carnes in that as the coach. So that is, that's a great movie. That's definitely one to watch. Um, I think I might be pinching one of yours here, Shannon, after our discussion the other day, but Rudy, Heart of a Hero. You will not watch a more inspirational movie than that. It gives me chills talking about it. It's... It's, it's based on a true story of Daniel Rudiger, who was named, known as Rudy, and all he wanted to do his whole life was play for the Notre Dame football team, um, college football team. And what he go, he's only a small little bloke. He's not athletic at all. He's not an athlete. He's just full of heart. And, and what he does goes to a junior college to try and qualify to get into Notre Dame. And what he puts himself through, the jobs he does, sleeps in a maintenance shed and all this sort of stuff to try and get himself a start. And he endears himself so much to the members of the team that they basically demand that he gets to play for the, for this team. It's at the end of that movie, whenever I watch it, I'm on my feet, just cheering for him. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) it's just so inspirational. I love it. I love it. Um, A newer movie is my number two Moneyball. Um, It was a famous book, um, but it was made into a movie in, in 2011 starring Brad Pitt um, and it talks about the changes in baseball recruitment. So it sounds a bit uh, nerdy and boring statistical base, but so much of it is what I imagine, and Ello, you would know this, about how recruitment and retention works, that the way that you identify players, how you judge players. It went from guys singing in a room saying, um, he's, 
his girlfriend's ugly, so he doesn't have any confidence, so we're not going to recruit him to using the statistics of the sport to recruit guys about what they whether they needed to hit more runs or take more catches or something like that. It was all about earning runs. So It's funny, Jez. We, we, we have a system in our recruitment here that's, that's, changed, that's come about probably in the last five or six years, but, and we, we do it every year, and it's about that. And, yeah. Um, when you are looking at certain players to recruit or retain, mm. um, you know, if, you, if you've just got any question, if you, you might have two players you're looking at, you go back and have a look at their stats and how they weigh up against each mm. other. And we put in a rating system on certain aspects of the game that we want a centre to be good at mm. or a front rower. And when you're trying to recruit, we can just go into our database, bang, bang, Shannon Donato, Jeremy Monaghan, it spits out a score for you. Mm. And then if you're not sure which one to take, you just go, well, his scores are better. We probably should go with him. And it's, mm. you know, it's not what you base everything on. Yeah, you've got to have your gut feel and what, what the players and the, what they're like as people mm. and their backgrounds and things like that. But it certainly is a good uh, a good tool mm. to use. And I think I think Moneyball started people really having a look at that. Yeah. And again, it's it's – Based off, off true facts. Mm. LA, yeah. yeah, I'm aware you guys use that system and smarter base and all, all of those things plug into each other. Um, can you give us an example of maybe, you know, you spoke about maybe a centre, one of the metrics you might look at? Uh, well, you, you might look at, uh, you know, the, the carries out of the backfield, how many metres they're averaging as a centre. Um, you look at uh, defensively as well, you know, their, their tackle ratio, how many missed tackles and things like that they have. Um, also, um, Diffusion of kicks and things like that. You know, if you've got a player that that's struggling, or, or that's a winger as well. But nowadays they can drop little kicks on the centers and things like that. So, yeah, and yeah, passing and things like that. So, yeah, it, it's not the be all and end all, but it it's good to have a base to go back to to have a look at. Yes, something to start at. I know, I know. With somebody with your huge amount of experience and Wayne's experience, and even JD for a young guy, he's one numerous premierships in various divisions in various countries and leagues. But I know gut instinct's uh, a big part of it because you've just got that experience, which is really important. And you can't buy that experience. But having the numbers, like you said, when you're a bit unsure to refer to is very helpful. Where it helps too is is players that haven't actually made it in the NRL yet that are coming through in the, you know, the second grade and things like that. Um, you know, you can rate – in each position, we can actually rate who – off our – um. Uh, yeah, things that we put all stats that we want out of it. Yeah, we can rate from one through to thirty who who we think off our data is the best for that position. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is just me talking. I don't obviously know anything behind the scenes, but probably Josh Mansell would be a an example of us recruiting him. So we needed somebody to help with getting the ball out of our own end. Um, out of the back three, and obviously he is an absolute specialist at, at doing that. So that would have come into your idea when you're ranking these players trying to recruit into the club. Our stats tell us he was the best backfield runner in the game. There you go. There you go. There you go. So that's, that's what, what Moneyball was all about, identifying these things that other people may not see um, and helping this baseball team, the Oakland Athletics, try and build their team up. So great segue, Jez. Being back on track, well done. Yeah, there. thank you, mate. There, 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 was, there was a great, uh, there was a great scene oh, in that movie. movie actually, <laughs> yeah. there, there was a great scene in that movie, and I was I was lucky enough to be there on Christmas Eve when Shane Richardson was negotiating Greg Inglis to come to our club, 
and there was all the talk about Essendon being interested, and that was all 100% true. And I was there in the office with Richo when he was making all the calls. He was talking to Greg. He was talking to his manager, Alan Ganey. He was talking to Ian Schubert, who was the salary cap order at the time. He was talking to David Gallup, who was the CEO of the game. I remember him ringing David, who was out on his Christmas drinks, and I remember him talking to David, saying, David, if we... If we can't get this solved here about Greg's contract and getting him registered, he's going to go and play AFL for Essendon. Do you want that to happen to the game? I was there. And there's a scene in, in this movie with Moneyball where Brad Pitt is the general manager of the team. is doing these negotiations to get a star player to come across to, to the club. And it just reminds me so much of what I saw Richo doing that night. It was, it's, it's amazing how close to real life that was. So. It's a great movie, and my number one is a movie called Young Blood. It's probably not one that many people have seen, but it's an ice hockey movie from from 1986, and it's my favourite movie of all time. I don't know what it is, but I just absolutely love it. It's about a young kid that's got all the talent in the world as a hockey player but hasn't had to put any effort in, and he starts coming up the ranks, and he's the youngest player coming up through um, through this professional team called the Mustangs, and the struggles that he has when he's not putting in the hard work and all the distractions of being the star young kid and the attention that he starts getting from girls and the, all the different things that he has to do and has has to juggle. And um, one of my favourite things about that movie is that they lose a game and the coach threatens them all. He says, if you keep playing that, I'm going to drop you back to the Tallahassee Warthogs, which is <laughs> it's my favourite sports team name. If I'm in a tipping comp or a fantasy footy comp or something, that's my team name, the ta- Tallahassee Warthogs. But the, it was a good cast in that movie, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, and I've got a T-shirt at home, the white Mustangs T-shirt with number 10 and young blood on the back that <laughs> you can buy. It's, oh, it's a great movie. I've watched it. I'll, Every off season, I watch it. So something a bit different if you if you don't mind ice hockey. But that's my list of forty two movies and twelve <laughs> special mentions. Cheers! I'm just going to ask: Are you one of those blokes that can watch movies two and over three and over and, and over? Times? And it kills my partner, Christy. Oh, I can't do it either. It I just kills don't her. understand it. Uh, it, it. When you see an ex, just say, "Oh, Jess, we should." come around to your place and watch Moneyball. Because <laughs> whenever I'm at home in, in off-season or anything like that and I've got a couple of hours spare, I think, oh, I'll put a movie on. And I go, I'm going to watch Moneyball. Oh, yeah. And I'll put Moneyball on. She goes, not again. <laughs> I can't watch this movie again. Uh, my wife is the same. She does not much of a movie watcher, but the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. what a movie. If it's on TV or Fox oh, or yeah. anything, we've got to watch the Shawshank. I reckon I've seen that eight times. Oh, oh it's Mate, one I've seen it 80 movies. times. It's one of the greatest movies of all If only there oh, was some sport. Well, there's chess in it. Oh, Maybe that can be a sports <laughs> movie. He's I said to go, you know what happens? He gets out, he goes to Mexico. <laughs> 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 Sorry for all those people who haven't movie. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know oh, you, you prefer well. to watch reruns of maths. Yeah, you're a married at first sight man, aren't you? Come on, you're picking on me about my weight now. My television watching habits. <laughs> hey, you can't deny it though. <laughs> yeah, you I, are a fan. I do like maths. I, I've got to say, I haven't been as diligent with this series, um, but I, I do love it. It's my guilty pleasure. Actually, I don't. You watch remind much. me of Bryce. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched this one too much. But, you know, I, I, I don't watch much TV at all, actually. But I watch. Maps and, my and the ABC. Yeah, the ABC. <laughs> I'm a bit left leaning. Um, 
But my other guilty pleasure in terms you of TV is watching that. <laughs> The only thing I really watch is the footy, but um, are those corny Christmas movies? I love those. I love those. I was over in um, America one year just before Christmas, and they got a channel over there. I don't know if they still got it. It's called the Hallmark Channel, and it was just it was at Christmas time, and it was just Christmas corny Christmas movie after corny. I was in heaven. I didn't want to leave the hotel. Because <laughs> you knew the turkey was coming the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I said I wasn't going to rip it yeah. to you today, but I just I <laughs> you lasted a whole two minutes. So like, well done. That's all right. The counselling's going well. So. <laughs> Very good. How is Dr. Jenny Craig going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's do a segment on fat shaming. <laughs> I can only do it because yeah. I know I am too. Yeah, so. yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I shouldn't it. be doing it. Though, yeah. <laughs> all, right, all, right. Okay. all right, Shannon. Let's hear your top sports movies. Well, my number one, I, I loved all of them, was the Rocky movies. Mm. Rocky one was obviously the best, but, um, you know, just inspirational stories. And, and all sports movies, you know, I think the key to them is not just about the sport, but it's the, the story of the person, the athlete, and their trials and tribulations outside of the sport. The sport is, I guess, the stage on which that's all played, but um, it's really a personal story about their battles and, and, and their triumphs. So... Rocky certainly has all of that. So well, the Rocky movies is my number one. Started in 1976 and probably be going to 2076 when we're at Rocky 28. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the Rocky movies. Um, number two, Rudy, like uh, Jess said, one of the most inspirational stories, and it's a true story. Um, so that certainly has to be in there. Although I heard from one of his teammates, it might have been Joe Montana or somebody who played with him at, at college. He was at Notre Dame, a famous um, football college over there. That apparently in real life they actually used to tease him a lot of the tea. Oh, he made right. yeah, so that sort of. Oh, don't burst the bubble, Shannon. <laughs> don't burst the bubble. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> would have been the blokes. Would have been the blokes that didn't get a run. That's who it would have been. Karma caught up with him, so don't worry about it. Um, um, number three, the wrestler. Um, oh, I don't know yeah. if you guys Mickey have Rourke. seen that. Yeah, Mickey yeah. Rourke. Um, great movie. Marissa Tomei. Again, the the backstory of the guy's life. Um, it's uh, it's a great movie, and I don't, I'm not even a big fan of wrestling to be honest. But just the, the story of the athlete and his life, and I think it's one of Mickey Rourke's best movies actually. And then my favourite stars our very own coach Wayne Bennett, and that's Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about his paycheck. I'm, talk- <laughs> I'm actually talking that was about the when movie. he first started. He was getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a great movie. Um, I think it's Hilary Swank is the is. is the main actress in it. But but Morgan Freeman's in it, a great actor, and obviously Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood plays a paternal, more more so a father figure than a coach to her. And it's it's actually so much like Wayne and his relationship with mm. lots of the players, a really paternal, caring relationship about the wants them to be the best athlete they can be, but also just best person and live a full life and some of that might mean things outside of football and I've seen I've seen Wayne have that conversation with a couple of players who are no longer with us and um, it just reminded me of Wayne so much the the role Clint Eastwood plays in Million Dollar Baby but it's a it's a fantastic show so um, I for a Rocky, Rudy, The Wrestler and uh, Million Dollar Baby. Very good. Over to you Ella. Any given Sunday Jez like you, yeah. Al Pacino played a great role in it but 
but for me, it just personified, uh, you know, sport at that high level. The, the things that go on with it, there's private ownership of the club that fill out with the coach. Not, mm. that, not that it happens everywhere, but it does happen at times. Yeah. Um, then you had the old quarterback coming yeah. replaced by the young quarterback and eventually got him over the line. It goes back, Warren Ryan used to say a thing about his players and his football team. Uh, the young blokes get you there. And the old boys win it for you. Yeah, you know, and it's so yeah. The experience of those older players, you need them. Yeah, there. but that that speech was was magnificent. Mm. Um, but uh, Al Pacino played a great role. But it just personified what's involved in in professional sport mm. more so than the NFL. But yeah, which mm. is which is a lot bigger than what we have. But um, you know, it's it's it just shows you where where our club's at. Just mm. on a on a bit of a sideline here that you know. Everything's working well together. Russell, the board, the coaches, mm. staff, it's all it's all in a good place, mate. And that's mm. because people respect each other and working for one goal. Mm. Um, and in that movie, there seem to be a lot of people just working for their on their own, mm. you know, and he, he managed to get it together and get what he yeah. did in the end. But uh, no, it was a good show. Although I remember the Titans. Mm. Um, Herman Boone, I think, was the coach, mm. uh, Denzel Washington. Um and that that just that was a, a great movie in because it's obviously the, the history of America with you know the the racial divide and this guy was tasked with bringing it bring it all together in mm. one football team and it showed the challenges and it personified what the challenges across across the country and communities were mm. about too but he made it bring it all together and got the results mm. he needed and. Um, it was was good just seeing the the hard training and that the the boys went through on their camps and things like mm. that and the influences of parents, like like young coaches coming through with parents thinking their players are the best player mm. etc. It happens in every junior league team, mm. in in you know which is which is unfair on the coach, mm. and it's probably one of the reasons why people don't want to coach as much at that level because they're getting hammered from everywhere. Yep. Um, but that was a great movie, Invictus. Uh, oh, that a, was a, that's a excellent. That was movie. A, that was a great one. I, I mean, I, that just again just highlighted, um, yeah, you know, the history of mm. of South Africa and and you know the triumph of Nelson Mandela to be mm. fair and what he went through the other years in prison mm. uh, and what he what he did for South Africa, you know, mm. and the sacrifice he made and and that just culminated in him. I think just thinking well. Well, everything I did was pretty, pretty much mm. worth it. It went, it went a long way to it, you know. And back in old one, you, I don't know if you've ever seen the old surfing movie Big Wednesday. No, I haven't seen. No, that, that was that came out. That was oh, probably the early eighties, mm. and it was just about these young surfers and that in California and mm. that, and riding the big waves. And it was a, it resonates with me because I was, I was, you know, I don't know how old I was in. 17 or something like that and you're just finishing school and getting your you know just going out on your own getting your independence and things like that. that's what they were doing the surfing out of the parties and everything like that some massive waves they surfed too you know yeah. and it was uh probably because you know lived on near Maruba beach growing up it just sort of resonated with me but the that was the the thing about where particularly surfing that the sport mixed with having a good time as well yep um and yeah, you know, it was just enjoyment, and it really personified what sport mm. is about, and and still should be today. I reckon. 
I think I saw the sequel. There was Big Wednesday and then um, the sequel, Big Sunday. And I went and saw it. I was very disappointed because I thought it was going to be about an ice cream. But um, <laughs> the Big Sunday was very, 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 very disappointing. But too, many, too much surfing for my life. <laughs> you did well to come up with that <laughs> in a short period of time. That was good. <laughs> I've got one for every occasion. <laughs> It's interesting about sport being a topic for great movies because we were talking about the other week about stadiums and the emotions that are evoked within those buildings and and the memories that you can build within stadiums. But I guess movies are like that too. They want to stir the emotions within people and and explore different things. And sport is such a great a, a great topic to do that. And it's interesting we were just talking about boxing, and I just thought of a couple more brilliant boxing movies: Ali with Will Smith. Yes the story about uh, Muhammad Ali and what he went through, and also one from our man, Russell Crowe, Cinderella Man. What oh, a, that's a great show. What yeah. a great movie that is, and that's a true story in taking on Max Bayer and everything they went through in the Depression. And yep. it, it was a story that was much bigger than just sport. It was about how, how people turned to boxing as their escape from the Great Depression in the, the 20s and the 30s. And Yeah, well, it's like, it's like Ali said, the, the sport and the athlete, they personify the the challenges that the community's having. Sports yeah. just a microcosm of life, right? So yeah. you know you you see all those challenges, and they lived out through you know Buster or whoever whoever mm. the Ali or whoever the athletes are. Mm. It just evokes so much emotion, and that's what these people working in these artistic areas want to want to bring out. Whether they're painting a painting or creating a movie, they want to stir emotions. They do. Plus, yeah. I mean, sp- sport in general from from playing as a young kid, like playing different sports and that. It's great socially for for kids and that coming through, and it's great. The parents get to meet new people. That yeah, they're meeting new friends and they're playing. So and you know all these movies. There's some stage where the champion and the superstar has had to beat something a massive challenge in his life mm. or her life. Yep. Mm. You know, and that's and that's what happens. That mm. is life. Yep. Mm. That is life. And yeah. and sport gives you the chance to get on top of things yeah. like that. Does and our own story, you know, I said it in a previous episode. The fact that we were kicked out of the comp, and then by the time in 2014 when we won that comp, we'd gone from being almost on life support and almost dead to number one in members, number one in ratings, number one in merchandise sales, any metric, you know. And we won the competition. We'd gone from the absolute bottom, and we took our community along for the ride. Mm. And you know, so we personified their hopes and aspirations, and um, you know, it was a great triumph not only for us but for our entire community. Mm. And what else? What else the club did, the board and everyone involved in it. They didn't do what everyone else told them to do. Didn't do what the media told them to do to merge and things like that. It, mm. it was a no. We're not merging. Imagine if we'd emerged mm. back then. We there'd be it'd be gone by now. Yep. You know, might was, make a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might be right. Jez might watch it twelve times. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can direct it, Jez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on a serious note, too, we mentioned Russell Crowe. They're a tough week for for Russell and his family after following the passing of his father, Alex. So to to Russell, his mum, Jocelyn, the whole Crow family, and all their friends, we offer our deepest condolences on behalf of everyone here at the Rabbitohs. It's um it's a tough week, but I know that having known Russell over the years that he'll be the man that can that can handle this and be the glue for his family in their in their time of need and he will his dad was a, a magnificent man too so I mean having lived with the fond memories that he has of his dad I mean that'll help him get through it because that's mm. the type of bloke he is and it's it's not easy but it's life unfortunately and uh, I'm sure he'll 
He'll get on with it with the, the lessons he's learned from his dad. Yeah, Indeed, absolutely. Well said, boys. Absolutely. Yeah, LA's lost his dad. I've lost my dad. But, um, yeah, you know, it's those memories that, that um, keep you moving forward, I guess. That's it. All right, we'll be back in just a few moments. Now, the Rabbitohs are back with home games. Of course, we had our first one against the Roosters last week. And that means you can grab your corporate hospitality and game day experiences from the Rabbitohs. And with the games now out at Stadium Australia this year, there's plenty of capacity to be able to entertain clients or have a fun night out at the footy with your mates. And James, Maddie, and the corporate hospitality team at the Rabbitohs have all the options to suit all of your needs. There's VIP experiences, there's corporate boxes, there's outdoor corporate spaces, there's all sorts of different offerings and there was a great turnout from our corporate partners last week against the Chooks. Yes, it was almost a full house, Jez, in terms of our corporate patronage. It was excellent and as you said, you know, some of those unique experiences, we have some injured players up, some past legends up and you get to rub shoulders with those guys as well as the club's hierarchy. It's, a, it's always a good night and it's an even better night when you win and even better again when you beat the Roosters. Absolutely. So make sure you visit corporate.rabbitos.com.au for any of your course, uh, corporate hospitality uh, requirements for the Rabbitohs home games out at Stadium Australia this year. Now, our trivia question from last week and the heads drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about this segment, Jess. <laughs> the homework hasn't been done, but let's see how they go. Now, Benji Marshall has played over 300 NRL games in his career, but who has played more first-grade games between Benji and the great John Sutton? Now, the hint that we gave was Benji made his debut in 2003, one year before Sutto, and Benji, of course, is still playing, but Sutto retired at the end of 2019 so a shorter career for Sutto 336 games in the bag for John Sutton over his career but has the great Benji Marshall to date played more or less games than Sut I'm backing our great man Sutto in Sutto's tough he's resilient so Sutto's my man backing as Sutto. always Shannon, I'm going to agree with you. There we go. There we go. Well, the answer is John Sutton. As we said, Sutto played 336 games. Benji's currently on 327. So he's only uh, he's only about three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's only about three months away from uh, getting over the top of of Sutto. So. I wonder if he'll be begging Wayne for those nine-minute stints that he got last <laughs> week just to just to get up on top of Sunday. Uh, I've never heard a player cheered so much on the sideline as what he was. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. Up on the screen, then I said to him, and then I saw the little glance up at the screen and, and just smirk. to take it all in, he said to me, nah, I was looking back at the boys. I was looking back at the boys. I said, yeah, sure you were. I was, I was a little disappointed. I thought they were cheering me at first. <laughs> It was a fine effort from you last week, LA. Like, kicker, kicker. On the the, uh, the Roosters halves didn't know what was coming with it, with Elo's abuse. On the, the, the Roosters players could hear Elo more than they could hear their own members. It was, it was good to see all the Roosters members out at the game, both of them. <laughs> JJ. John and Steve, JJ yeah. being one of them, yeah. Jared Johnson and his wife. See you guys uh, out there. Very good. Now, our trivia question for next week. Now, this is going to take some homework. How many Burgesses 
have played grade football for the Rabbitohs since 1908. Oh, yeah. Mm. Now, not all of them have played first grade, but they've played grade. And I'm going to stick to men's grade football with this. We've got Renee Burgess that plays in our in our women's team, but I'm not 100% sure on the statistical side of things, whether the women's games are regarded as grade games for the club or not. So for the interests of of this question, <laughs> it'll just be grade football. So first, second or third grade for the Rabbitohs since 1908, how many Burgesses have played for the club. Jeez, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about getting too technical because there's no chance of Ella and I getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking well, about a, the thousands of <laughs> listeners that we've got that love these trivia questions that I put pour hint, all this time into. The hint is there's more than four. Well, clearly. Yes. Well, actually, maybe not. It, I don't know whether this is true or I just made this up or I heard it from somebody, but the plural of Burgess is, is Burgoy. Is that true? Well, I used to call them the Burgeye. That's where I must have got it yeah. from, Burgeye. I like it because it's got a bit of a, a Jedi sort of ring to it, you know? So. Well, you have an octopus and then you have octopi. You yeah. don't have octopuses. Yeah. So <laughs> rather than Burgess and Burgesses. Yeah. Why does it always come back to pies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. Yes. Oh, yes. Well... <laughs> And the counselling continues. <laughs> it's supposed to be Shannon's joke of the week, but LA might have just, in our sporting movie vernacular, he might have just hit him for a home run, oh, I think, God. then. But <laughs> anyway, boys, make sure you Sorry, do your homework <laughs> next week <laughs> on how many Burgesses have played men's grade football for the Rabbitohs since 1908. Now you're looking for your. Uh, <laughs> He's still cracking oh, himself oh, up yeah. about the pie jokes. Oh, I'm gonna laugh at. <laughs> Very good. Now, if you're looking for your next epic holiday or maybe a long weekend with your mates or you need to get to the next game, it's time to what if it. What if has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire. And more, plus because they're the official travel partner of the Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on select hotels. Conditions apply. So make sure you head to whatif, that's spelt W-O-T-I-F dot com slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. What if it's Aussie for travel and, and what a great company to have on board for our podcast and the many other properties that they sponsor here at the club as well. They're fantastic guys, Daniel Finch and his t- all the team there at What If. And we're soon to be opening up a second truncheon of um, tickets for the Dubbo match, actually, because the first sold out. And we've just been doing it in staging the releases um, in steps because, uh, you know, with COVID and we just want to be safe and make sure we don't disappoint anybody. Mm. But we're about to open up a second truncheon of tickets for the Dubbo match, which is in just uh, over seven weeks away, just under two months. So... Uh, book your flights through What If, book your accommodation through What If, and use the go through the Rabbitohs site, whatif.rabbitohs, and get 15% off. I encourage everybody to support uh, the What If team. They're fantastic and they're great supporters of the club. What's the capacity up at Dubbo, just off the top of At 100%, yeah. it's 16,000. Oh, so um, That's how many there were when I scored that try that day, <laughs> playing for CSU Mitchell, about 16,000. When he tripped over the try line. Yeah. <laughs> What's everybody cheering? Oh, oh, Actually, I'm not sure whether it was 16 yeah. or 16,000. Someone mentioned 16. I think you had 16,000. It was his own troll. It was his own troll. 
<laughs> Mate, that's the 10 metre line. <laughs> you, you hit the gap with five metres to go and he got run down. <laughs> Jovan Clark got him. Lindsay <laughs> <Richie> Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What if it is Aussie for travel? All right, it is that time again for Shannon's joke of the week, and I start to get nervous right about now. Got my it's, finger over the dump button. Uh, it's okay, Jess. This one's got a religious theme, so I won't offend anybody. No. <laughs> Very good. Well, I just thought, seeing, you know, it's Easter coming up and, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) I just go along a religious theme because it's always um, politically correct. What's wrong with the roadcaster? (laughs) Dump, dump. (laughs) Easter eggs and chocolates. We celebrate (laughs) Jesus' death and resurrection and those kind of things. Uh, the Mars bar show bag. Actually, <laughs> this isn't my joke, but I'll tell you, this is this is a true story. I went to an Easter party and they, and it was fancy dress, and um, I didn't know until I got there. And um, Gab, oh, sorry, it wasn't Gab. It was my girlfriend before Gab, and she says to me, "Well, that'll go down well." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long, Jeez. it was a long, long time oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Can we uh, point up this as well? There's the first offence. Yeah. My wife. Next. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was many years ago. I was just a teenager, yeah. but it was an Easter was party. Jagger, and I got to the door with my girlfriend and just about the knock to, to go into the party. And uh, she said, you know, it's fancy dress. And I said, what do you wait till we get to the door and you tell me it's a fancy dress party? She goes, well, I thought I did tell you. I said, well, no, you didn't. I said, well, jump on my back. She said, what? I said, jump on my back. She jumped on my back. I knocked on the door. They opened. And they said, we told you it was a fancy dress party. I said, I am fancy dressed. She said, what do you come as? I said, a ninja turtle. She said, well, who's that on your back? I said, that's Michelle. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, that's that's not, actually, that's not my joke, though. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, that was just a, oh, no, no, Can no, I have two? Can I have two? I think we might leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm quite happy with that one. About him until, uh, the top four. <laughs> that's Michelle. Yes, very good. Shannon's <laughs> 84 jokes of the week. Uh, right. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, 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 uh, I'm a bit nervous now just to put me under this pressure with the dump button because it is religious thing. It's, it's Easter. It's a serious um, religious celebration of Jesus' death and his resurrection on the third day. And, but I, a cheerier time, it made me think about Jesus' birth and Christmas when we all celebrate. And it's time and everybody's celebrating and a story of three mates, you know, they're out having a party and a good time and, you know, they're going from party to party and they're Celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve and they're drinking and chasing women and they're smoking cigars and they're having a fat time and they drink driving and unfortunately they have a car accident and the three of them pass and they get up to heaven in the pearly gates and Peter's there and he says, boys, you're no chance of coming in. It was Christmas Eve. You're supposed to be a solemn moment celebrating, you know, Christmas and our Saviour and, um, you know, you guys are out drinking and um, roughhousing and I'm not letting you guys in. And they said, no, 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 we were. We were celebrating celebrating Jesus' birth and we're doing, we're having a good time and celebrating like we should be. And he said, well, you, and Peter says to the first one, if you can prove that you were celebrating um, Jesus' birth, I'll, I'll let you in. First one thinks, how can I prove it? He reaches through his pockets and he pulls out a lighter. And St. Peter says, well, what's that got? To? He said, that's a candle. I had that candle lit all night in celebration of Jesus' birth. 
candle. Peter thinks, ah, oh, well, okay. In you go. That's a bit of a stretch. The second one. All right, what were you doing to celebrate Jesus' birth and, and Christmas? He's, what have I got? He's rustling through his pockets. He found All he's got is his car keys. He gets them out. He says, car keys? What, what? He said, no, they're jingle bells. I was jingling them all <laughs> night long, all night long in celebration of Jesus' birth. So Peter says, that's a stretch. All right, I'll let you in. He says the third one. This better be very good because you, two mates just fluked it in. You better have something. What have you got to show me that you were celebrating Jesus' birth and out celebrating this solemn occasion? He's reaching through his pockets and he pulls out a pair of ladies' knickers. So, oh, so Peter said, what has that got to do with the celebration? He says, they're carols. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they're carols, that's right. We might need this. All right. <laughs> Just to help out. You know what? You don't need that because I laugh anyway, Jess. I laugh yeah, at no, my no, own that's like, Yeah, that's all right. all right. I didn't mind. I like Michelle better. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just leave it at that. You're we'll easy to please, <laughs> Jess. <laughs> at the edited version, we'll just leave it. <laughs> There's no editing here on the, on the top four podcast, but we'll be back in a second to wind things up. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you give us your suggestions at rabbitos.com.au slash podcast or via Twitter using at SSFC Rabbitos and that hashtag top four podcast. Please give us a glowing review and a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to tune in to our other, our other podcasts on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network, particularly the boys at Rabbitohs Radio, Chaps, Mayvale and Brownie. They're doing a fantastic job over there. They they talk a bit more footy than us, but they still have a good laugh. They had a great interview with Patrick Mago on, on last week's episode, and it was great to hear from Paddy because he's one of the players that we don't hear a lot from. And he, uh, he opened up about his struggles coming through and um, trying to keep his fitness up and the, the hard work that he does also away from Rabbitohs training to force himself into the top 17. He's playing some good footy at the moment. So make sure you jump on and have a listen to the Rabbitohs radio podcast. We've got the audio version of the Rabbitohs Insider starting up this week. We've got our player media interviews as well. And don't don't miss Wayne's press conference each week. His, his press conference after the game the other night was one of his best. The The number of one-word responses he gave the <laughs> was a, right up there. It's amazing. You look at how long the coaches speak for after the game. Like it's, um, I think he went for two, two and a half minutes. He got everything out that he needed to say. Everything you know? that he needed to say. But, uh, no, he's... I he's, think he's actually he's the master. I think he's went shorter than Ricky Stewart's and Ricky didn't take any questions. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky walked out. But uh that's that's the art of the press conference with with Wayne Bennett. I hope he does uh some lectures and some speaking engagements about it <laughs> when he finishes. I'm not sure the the 10 grand to pay the ticket to go and listen to him with the one word answers is worth it, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Toast Marcus circuit. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, thank you for your time again, Ello, this week. It's been a good laugh and a, a good insight. Yeah, once again, excellent to be here, Jez, and, uh, you know, when we take the, the mickey out of each other, and we actually mean it, really, don't we? 
It's a good Mickey cast event. Take the Mickey out of each other. You two just pick on me. I'll say each other. Please, it's, it's like Pitt Street. It's one way traffic. It's just all on me. Shannon Dartboard Donato, thanks for coming along this morning. Punching bag Donato, I prefer juice. Very good. Just ask Galo. Uh, oh, that's a story for another week. Yes. You, Galo, and the great Mark Carroll. Yes, yes, we'll get that one too. Why not? Why not? My, my self-esteem isn't shattered enough. That's <laughs> and of course, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more from the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, which is powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rabbitohs Top 4 podcast, powered by Audio Technica and proudly presented by What If official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash Rabbitohs to book your next trip. Don't forget to use the code Rabbitohs15 to get 15% off select hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel. Please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Up the Rabbitohs.